Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dance House Theatre Manchester. Welcome a man who's been here a week waiting for this show. It's been, been terrible. It's Richard Herring! Oh, you, I can tell already you're much better than last week's audience. So, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Uh, this is Richard Herring's uh, Leicester Square Theatre podcast, except at the Dance Hall Theatre Manchester. Don't, did I get it right? Dance House Theatre Manchester. Just try and get it right. It's just polite. It's just basic politeness. But I was, I was hanging out down at the John Ryland's Library. Uh, just now, some good manuscripts down there. And, a lot of the guys there pouring over those. They call it Rahalastapa Eatdutma. So, um, thank you. Uh, I've, got, I've, got, I've got nothing to tell you. It's been the, my, the most empty week I've had of my life. I probably moved some stones around. And I, I tell you that I... If you, I know there'll be stone clearers listening at home to this stuff. I'm not the only one who does this. And um, I met another one today. Uh, sorry, last week. And uh, it's... 
The problem is it's easy around the edge, right? Because you can just chuck the stuff to the edge, the stones to the edge. But why when you're walking across the field, you can't throw the stones onto another bit of the field? That would be counterproductive. You can only carry about five or six stones. That's a very slow... People, stone clearers have been worrying about this conundrum for centuries. How are we? I've solved it. Get, take a bag. Uh, so it's a bag. I've got a bag. I carry a big bag of stones. And I'm not, I've lost uh, half a stone doing this. I'm telling you, it's, which is ironic, isn't it? So uh, it's, um, when you think about it, look, we're going to uh, crack uh, straight on. I will just remind you that uh, emergency questions. Last week's audience didn't buy a single copy. And so on. Had to go back home, bring all 48 copies back this week. I hope it sells better after this week's show. Um, this is available. GoFasterStrike.com slash EQ uh, from Amazon if you want to help my ranking. I don't care that much about that. Uh, there's so many. There's questions for kids. There's questions for dates. Let's see what I can find for you quickly. Uh, well, emergency questions for dates. Uh, <laughs> this one isn't actually. I've t- turned on the page. Are you the postman or the letterbox? I mean, that is a good... That is a good <laughs> It's good to sort that out. Good to sort that out. Um, what thing that you should regret do you not regret? It's a good question. For a date, that's a good one. That's, I regret never, never having sung Je Negret Rianne at karaoke. That is my regret. It's my one regret. So, uh, we've got a fantastic guest for you. He's not from Manchester. He's come all the way from Canada just to do this. Gig. Uh, he's probably best known as uh, for his appearance in Lottie Bear Shout, Good as Goals. <laughs> Though he also played Glenn Wool in the short film Brothel. <laughs> Will you please welcome Glenn Wool, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> I love to see you. <laughs> love to sit down, sit down. And, you can take your mic out and, and okay. hold up to your mouth. Like oh, wow. Is that how this works? You're looking very dapper. Things yeah. have changed. Yeah. Well, I'm feeling a bit... Um, I'm starting to wear a suit jacket on yeah. stage now. I used to wear a leather vest, but um, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we crack on, let's just get the, these... These credits out of the way. What was Letty Bear Shout Good as Goals all about? Lottie oh, sorry, yes. Bear Shout was a uh, it was a cartoon that I voiced. Uh, one of the I played a uh, teenage moose. <laughs> now that's got to hurt. Teenage that you asked moose. Uh, it was for a Disney cartoon, okay. and um, I was told uh, that I needed to make the moose. A little more manly, if you know what I'm. <laughs> my moose was too gay, right? Yeah, <laughs> Disney's not about to push gay moose on any children. <laughs> <laughs> just say, just say that in your head. Try to envision that. <laughs> but we, uh, we, I won a BAFTA for that. We Did won you? a BAFTA. Yeah, it won. Yeah. yeah, and then they didn't make it into a show after all that. That's. Terrible. Yeah. Because usually that credit is something that was not successful. And so I'm very upset that <laughs> it's turned out to be, that my introduction thing has turned out to be the best thing you've, you've done. Actually, uh, that's the least successful thing I've ever done. It actually did win, win the BAFTA. BAFTA. If it had won a major award, maybe. You, <laughs> just a BAFTA, please. 
And what was Brothel? What was, do you remember that you played yourself, I presume? Or just something uh, the same yeah, that was just a time in my life I'd like back. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they had a camera there. Uh, it was a, a short film that some Australian comedian di- comedians made um, that uh, they they lived, uh, and I think it was based on a true story. Their neighbors uh, were their neighbors ran a brothel, and they lived in number five, and the neighbors were in five A. So they constantly had uh, horny men <laughs> showing up, going, uh, "Is this uh, no? You got to go one over." <laughs> and I play. They said, "Just you just have to knock on the door and ask if this is where Candy is or whoever." Uh, I didn't know they were going to say I was playing myself. (laughs) (laughs) They kept that secret. That's good. Uh, so that's the kind of part I usually... The only parts I ever get asked to do are in short films where I'm paying some kind of pervert, <laughs> usually with a prostitute, sometimes cutting off his penis. Uh, so, I, yeah. That's just, all I get. That's your excuse for all the research, yeah. then? <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, um, well, you, we've, uh, it's been a little while since we've seen each other, and both of our lives have changed quite a lot. You're quite, you are the wild... One of the wild men of comedy. Yeah, yeah. Drug-taking, womanizing. Yes, yes, and yes. yes. <laughs> and now you've all settled down, and it's lovely. Yeah, I still take drugs, but they're for <laughs> my blood pressure. <laughs> uh, and uh, all of that womanizing led to uh, the uh, fantastic woman. And, uh, yeah, we're, gonna, we're going to be married, and we already have a child, and uh, she's absolutely wonderful. Oh. And she listens to podcasts. Does she? So... <laughs> <laughs> But I, I tell you what, I, 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 she, she does listen to podcasts because uh, the... Oh, nope. here she comes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say listen to podcasts? Yeah. You may notice that white wine bottle is empty, and that's why she's got to get up now. <laughs> <laughs> Refill, she yelled at the top of her lungs. Uh I, I do know she listens to podcasts because me and Frankie Boyle did. Uh, we, call, we didn't call it a podcast. We called them comedy albums because we're that kind of prick. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was called Freestyle, and um, she, Frankie was her favorite comedian. And, um, by, and then she started listening uh, to that. And uh, on her birthday, her best friend tweeted to me and said, uh, you're... You're my best friend's favorite comedian. Could you say happy birthday to her? Uh, it would mean the world. And I tweeted back. I said, I don't do things like that. And then I um, <laughs> looked at her pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and I made an exception. Just uh, <laughs> once, I, once I checked the pictures out, made sure they were her. <laughs> Because she, yeah, that's how attractive this lady is. Her pictures have been used in fake. She's, she, her pictures have been used to catfish people before. So it could be a very elaborate catfish. I, I, I'm sure it still is. Someone just wearing a mask of that face. <laughs> gonna pull that yeah, off. I gotta get my eyes checked. This is. You've had your child, and now you've got to give us your money. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's like a reverse kidnapping. We've created a child. And you have to pay for it. <laughs> so meta. 
It's, it's uh, sort of, it's kind of romantic. It's lovely, isn't it? It's sort of romantic and... It is, it yeah. is. But um, because we, we, did, we did so many of these, uh, I realized she knows a lot more about me than I know she knows about me. Because I just, you know, you just blabber. You don't think anyone's listening on these things. But some people are. <laughs> <laughs> I have that problem. I keep on meeting people and, and talking to them. And I tell them something that's happened to me recently, and, and I can sort of see their eyes going. And then I realise I write a blog about what I do every single day, <laughs> and anyone who reads that blog saying, "Yeah, I know all about the Stone Clear and Rich. Don't have to, <laughs> don't tell me that again in massive detail." <laughs> so you started as a stand-up in uh, Vancouver. Yeah, it's I true. I was in a country called Canada. Still. And Unless something crazy has <laughs> happened. I don't know. I, I haven't watched the news recently, but it was in Canada when I left. <laughs> and uh, 95, so you've been going for 20, is that 22 years, three years? Well, I didn't go to university. How the hell am I supposed to know? <laughs> you're you're, <laughs> you're the big smarts guy. I don't know. I just walk around doing comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I took a lot of drugs. <laughs> I think it's 23 uh, years ago. So you've yeah. been stand up for 23 years. Yeah. Yeah. What what drew you in? What were you doing before you were doing stand up? Do you want, do you know what? I and it used to be um it used to be the one nice story I had about stand up cuz as you said I've been a bit of a bit of a rollicker hellraiser but the one nice thing you could say about like what got me started when I was 12 years old my parents took me to see a stand up comedian and before that I'd wanted to be like a wrestler or, you know, whatever. But then uh, it's like, here, yeah, no, I want to do that. That was incredible, and I was always able to tell it in any environment like this with lovely people around, and they'd all go, oh, well, maybe he's not such a bad guy. <laughs> Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> and I only remember half the concert. <laughs> must be true of so many people especially in America of, the, of that generation that they saw this guy he's so I many such an interesting and yeah, then, then he slowly case. faded to black <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it like that <laughs> <laughs> you're the most racist <laughs> guess we've had since last week with that Toby Haddock <laughs> race the most racist man um, <laughs> But you've you've sort of you become. I mean, I know in your act you say you're English quite a lot. Of, I don't know if that's just to ingratiate yourself with the English. Yeah, I'm audiences. sucking up at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but you lived in England. I don't know. Are you living here now? I am. I yeah. am. I live in Essex. Yes. Oh, very nice. Oh yes. But, um, you live. Mm-hmm. You, so you've, you've, I live beside. I live in Chelmsford, beside the prison. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do. I drive past them. I drive past the prison. Every time I come home, I have to drive past the prison, and it's always like, no matter how bad the gig's gone, I'm just like, well, <laughs> it's not too bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're you're a real touring comedian. I mean, you, that's what you. you I mean, I was, staying, I was talking to you about, about this backstage, and I've been. I saw a show of yours a few years ago now, um, and it's a, you know you're an amazing stand-up. Uh, the, what I like about your stand-up is the um, use of language, I think. I think you can take... An, you've got loads of great jokes and that, are, that still surprise me as a comedian, which is 
Thank you. Always good and very rare. But also, I just love the like. For example, in a re- you do a routine about drunk Glenn versus sober Glenn, which oh, is yeah. like. But it's it's like a routine I've seen other people attempt to do. But yours is much better. And in that <laughs> routine, is the line um, drunk Glenn. Uh, Concede the inner beauty of Rubenesque woman, <laughs> and that's not the kind of thing that most stand-ups would say. You know, yeah. what I mean? for you to come and there's lots of within that routine, which is about you know the difference between being drunk and sober, and who the sober person decides to drink, but the, the drunk one will have sex with different people, which is a sort of thing that's been observed before. It's just that it's the, it's the language you talk about, the sort of diamond in their chest, and all this sort of thing. It's it's incredible. Um, incredibly articulate is the word I'm looking for struggling to find ironically (laughs) (laughs) Um, is is that a conscious decision or is this just how you how you are yeah I think it just comes from um, I mean uh, the way I write material is uh, I mean there's just a lot of driving in in this uh, game and um, uh, I just I put on uh, usually the classic FM radio station, no words, which is perfect, and you just start thinking about the bit. And I think it's the, I think it's when comedy is at its most fun and at its best is when you're creating this thing and you're thinking about every little angle and how you can tweak it and and uh, sort of painting a picture with the with the words. And that's and that's yeah. you know. And again, it's just about fucking fat chicks. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but how can we say that? <laughs> But is that is the poetry of the gutter? I think that's always appealed to me about comedy as people who can combine those two things. Is about the about life is dirt and shit and 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 disgusting things happening, but you can make it beautiful through language and make it funny through language. I think just a lot of comedians wouldn't bother, you know, wouldn't bother thinking how can I make that you know make that that line isn't going to necessarily get a big laugh, but that's going to make people go oh. You know. Yeah, well, it's also it's a way to uh, it's a way to include everybody because with that subject matter, there's nobody that doesn't really know what you're talking about. It's about you know what what you like when you're sober as opposed to drunk. So it, it's already a, a it's already quite a common ground for people. But if you can add little references like that, then there'll be people that can go, oh, oh, I can laugh at this too because that was actually quite an arty reference. So. <laughs> well, it's true, but that's, but you know that's. I think because you you are you are sort of seen as being a quite wild and ang- not not angry exactly but you know it's a very your performance is shouty <laughs> shouty I uh, I just came from uh, the uh, comedy store down the street and uh, just like got here just in time and I was in my last bit I was getting it all revved up and a woman just right when I started just looked up from the crowd and went Would you shut the fuck up <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> so I might have been a bit too shouty tonight. Yeah. Or oh, she just misunderstood what stand-up was. I mean, yeah. that is, that is, did you not get the contract we have here? Oh, sorry. I did bring up to her. I'm like, I can understand someone not liking the sound of my voice and not liking me. Coming to one of my performances probably wouldn't be a place you'd enjoy yourself. <laughs> 
But you, so you do, you're touring your own shows and you write, yep. you, you write, it seems like a show most years, is that? Every second year Every now. Second year, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's too much work to You've write. You've done a couple of best, oh, you, is your new tour a, a, another best of? Yes, it? it is. Wool's, Wool's Gold 2, The Iron Pirate. <laughs> you, well, some of the people get it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little subtle joke on there for anyone who... <laughs> I went back and did. I went back and did a best of show like a couple of tours ago. So, do, do, is it? Uh, how have you found going back over you? Because you've done this once before as well. Whoa. So, how do you find going back over the material? And how do you choose? And is there stuff that you feel like? Oh yeah, there's stuff you, <laughs> you can't then. say anymore. <laughs> and there's some stuff that I look back and I go, well, why did I feel that way? But um, you can't. You can't get too. It is funny the the bit you. You brought up because uh, I was going. I had to go back over all this stuff, and there was there was one part of that. And of course, this is like ten years ago when I wrote it. But I said like, uh, "Sober Glenn meets transvestite, and he thinks it's disgusting." Drunk Glenn, however, that's a little way of saying that I would loosen my morals. But I just think now, like, you, yeah, you, you, you can't say anything close to that uh, amplified anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think in the last, it's, I think there's a, there is a sea change happening, I think, in taste. And I think it will, I feel always it's a pendulum with yeah, taste yeah. and tastelessness. Ooh. And people, things will get too tasteless and people go, oh, we should go back the other way. And then things have got a bit bland, let's go back the other way. But, you know, yeah. things do change. No, I, I mean, and I never meant it. I never meant it out of um, like anger. And, and it's but I don't think that bit is because that bit's about you saying that you would have sex with the transvestite, but you have to be drunk to do it. That's, that's yeah, not, yeah. That's not. But that's not. That's actually quite. If you were looking at it in one way, you would go, "That's a positive." Uh, yeah, no, you would because most people would most people would say, "I oh transvestite," uh, but you're kind of going, "Actually, the real me underneath all this." Would have sex with the transvestite. Yeah, yeah. If you if you looked at it through the best possible <laughs> eye, if you looked at it through a mother I, defending her child, <laughs> I just think, in a court of law. <laughs> I think because so much of this stuff, the problem is nowadays lines get taken out of context. As this probably will, and yeah. we'll probably neither of us will ever work again after this. Now, uh, and but but comedy works in a different way, and certainly as comedians, because it's about whether you trust the person, whether you like the person. If someone says, you know, you've made a career of, of saying, and, and as so have I, of saying a lot of outrageous things with a nice little cheeky glint in your eye. We like you. We know you don't probably don't mean it yeah. we, know, we know that there's an honesty beneath it all that means that there's a vulnerability to you as well if that is different than someone shouting the, the hate speech you know because comedy yeah. isn't comedy isn't about that comedy's got about is, is making us laugh together about things in order to be inclusive i think at its best mm-hmm. and so you know it's weird that someone would could take a thing like that out of context now and go oh you can't make even make well, a joke about well i mean the funny thing is is no one i took it out of context i was the one who looked back and went oh i'm offended at me <laughs> <laughs> but i i could see that yeah cuz it is it is on the internet too and it's when it, it, like it was a it was. I did it in the gala for the Melbourne Festival, and I mean, it's got it's got a lot of hits. People have seen it. No one's got in contact with me, but yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, I I don't think you'd say transvestite nowadays, even. But I don't think you'd say. I would never say they're disgusting. <laughs> no, no, but they, but it's about. See, I think yeah. I think it comes back to you. And but I think there is. You know, I think there's a sea change. I was talking about this at a book event the other day, and it's. 
Um, it's not all bad, right? In fact, most of it is, in, is really, really good. And I think the way comedy's changing, uh, it reminds me a little bit of in Britain um, when alternative comedy came and took over from, you know, the working man club, the comedians. There was a show called The Comedians, which everyone yeah, was Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Racist jokes and, you know, and it was all, it was, there was, yeah, I used to watch that as a kid and everyone loved that show, but you look back and you go, oh my God, how did they say any of those things? So yeah. alternative comedy in, came in, people pretended to be uh, feminists, but were paying Dawn and Jennifer much less than the men were being paid. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, things changed in a positive way. I feel that there's maybe a, a shift in, in, in morality again that, that, yeah. that, well, you, that maybe some, of, some comedians are going to have to deal with. Do you know what I found kind of funny? And it's uh, um, a lot of the, the punchlines right now, uh, if you want to be sort of liberal edgy, it's, uh, the punchline is uh, straight white male, like if that, you know, whatever the joke is, which is fine. I mean, it, it's, it's okay. Like, I'm not, I'm not offended by that in any way, but... I think there's there's a possibility that I don't think everyone's seen yet is that, yes, you can do humor like that, but if the next generation looks at that, and because it is, by definition, racism, the next generation might look at the people who do jokes like that and go, no, they, they were just racist. And you'll ha- they'll have to defend themselves the same way that you defend, like, the people who defend the comedians. Like, it was just a joke! <laughs> well, but just that's... But then people in the 70s would go, that was just a joke. You know, and, and, it, and there was something more going on. So th- I think the, a lot of these changes are good. I think, I think, weirdly... I mean, I think you're a very interesting case as a comedian, because I think... And, and within comedian circles, you're seen as being one of the best stand-ups... Working in the world because you know, and you are you're a fantastic stand up, yeah, but m- main, maybe out in the world of you know people sitting home watching TV, you're not that well known and you know you're not as successful as I would say. Why why are, are some of the people successful and Glenn Wool's not so successful? I, <laughs> There's I, a long list. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, met, but, I know why, but maybe you know. I think there's you're a live comedian and and, and you that's part of it. You know the, you couldn't really lasso that spirit and put it on TV really and make it cleaner it's because it, there's an honesty and there's a dirt and there's a there's yeah yeah I, I, I think it's uh, the, the the key now is to just sort of not even go after that just just put stuff on the internet and just do the tours and you know that's yeah. that's enough too, yeah well, I think it know? is enough and you can tour which a lot of most comedians can't do that so yeah I mean the the one the one um the plus about being on television is that a lot of people see you, but what you don't see is behind the scenes. There's about nine people telling you not to do nine different things, and then you just think, well, is it worth it? You know, it's just nine different opinions. Yeah. Well, so we've got that freedom of doing stuff on our own, but then there's this. I mean, I think it's just there's an interesting feeling in the air. I think. I mean, it's not just about comedy; it's about everything. I yeah. think. I think. But I think you know. I think it's good. It's good. That <laughs> feminism is happening in a proper way in the way. Oh, that of course, and then, yeah. And then it's good that all the uh, more than at least half, probably more than half, of the new comedians coming through are female. It's good that someone like Hannah Gadsby is able to share her experience with the world. It's good that white men get some payback for the centuries. Sure. Of being on top. Yeah. So all those things are a positive thing. But I, I sort of feel there's this. 
I feel like there was a Mary Whitehouse in the UK before your time where you lived here. I know who who you're talking about. Who, she, yeah. who was, would write to the BBC if anything was rude, was on TV. <laughs> and it was a joke, and everyone, was a, everyone who was a normal human being was against it because it was censorship and it was crazy. And it feels a little bit now like Twitter and social media has become like everyone is Mary Whitehouse. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. thing has offended me without any thought about what, what the what the meaning behind it is and what the spirit behind it is. Yeah, well, it, it's the odd thing about the internet is where it's sort of the ultimate freedom of speech and uh, and without any sort of reasoning, we've decided to stop it ourselves. Not, you know, no, there was no government saying, oh, you, you know, yeah. everybody's just attacking each other like zombies. <laughs> Got a question about that? So it's... Um... Yeah. Uh, some people at home are like zombies don't attack each other, Glenn. Well, we've gone. We, we've gone. Uh, <laughs> That'd be a very, very quick zombie outbreak. <laughs> Two of them got it and fought. <laughs> now, uh, well, let's talk about Canadian comedians because all, all the Canadian comedians I know who come to the UK are all insane. <laughs> You seem this, the, is, this is our Isle of Wight. <laughs> you seem the sanest of the mad Canadian comedians. Do you think yeah, that's, but do you that's, think that's, not, that's not hard. It, isn't, it definitely is not hard. <laughs> well, I think there, there is that sort of... I mean, Stuart used to take the piss out... Well, uh, sorry, Bacon Face. Oh, yeah. Stuart <laughs> used to have a sort of parody Canadian comedian. And yeah. There is a sort of... Is there a... Is, was there the, not sort of macho, but there was a there was a fun loving kind of drug taking culture going on? Is that fair to say? Hey, come on, is that something you're listening? Man. Is that something? <laughs> is that something that's specifically Canadian, or just happens to be the Canadians who've come? Uh, here? Yeah, I think um, I think it was probably um, you know it's tough to get into America if you have drug charges, but a lot of us had uh, parentage. Uh, and heritage visas for here. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. I don't have any drug charges, but I think uh, it was one of the things. Those like all those guys who came over would uh, would be less likely to even want to go to America. I mean, we all tried it at different times, but um, Canada's a sort of a. It, uh, it didn't have to be a small circuit, but it was, and um, the you you just tend to leave if you if you get good there, and uh, this. He, uh, yeah, uh, England was uh, much more up for fun than uh, America <laughs> was. <laughs> you, know, like in, you go to America, like L.A., two beers. Uh, you need to get yourself into a meeting, sir, because <laughs> you're an alcoholic. <laughs> two beers, it's just, yeah, well, it's the morning. What else are you going to do? <laughs> You do routine about Alcoholics Anonymous. Did you ever really do alcohol? alcohol? I went once, yeah, but I realized I didn't have the problems that those people had. Those, those people, uh, no. But also, and I don't want to make fun of a whole movement, but I could see they were sort of were like comedians where they were one-upping each other with the stories. And I started thinking, ah, I don't know if any of these really happened. I think these people just don't have anything to do on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I don't know why this reminded me of that story. Um, my my brother 
uh, got married in uh, Yellowknife, uh, Northwest Territories. It's like, a, and my mom was uh, from there, but we didn't live. He he'd moved back there, so uh, I ended up. I ran into his wife at, on her um, hen night because we we're all in town for the. The thing, and there's this bar that's been there since my mom lived there, and uh, they were all going to this bar, and, and I said uh, it was called like the Gold Range or something. And I was like, uh, uh, "Mom, you should, you know, it looks like the party's gonna go to the Gold Range." And she's like, uh, "Oh God, the last time I was in there, I stuck to the floor." And I said, well, you should come. Maybe get your shoes back. <laughs> and she said, what makes you think it was my shoes? <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. <laughs> it's good. It's yeah. good to hear. I told it at the wedding, too. Yeah. My <laughs> And uh, I saw you sort of being interviewed, and I don't know if this is a true story because it feels too good to be true, but you lived in London for a while and then you, you were touring, so you moved out of London, but you needed to go and stay in a hotel in London. Is this no, a true No, this story? is true. This is totally... <laughs> I, um, I, got, I, had, I came back to London after I moved away. I needed a hotel, so I just put my dates in and uh, a hotel like of... Like, it was a three-star hotel, but it was way cheaper than any other three-star hotel in London. Uh, and it was right, uh, like, it was right beside where I used to live. So I was like, That's, I, I know that hotel. That's a perfect hotel. I'll book in there. Uh, perfect. And then, uh, like, a week passed, and I, was, I just started thinking, why is that hotel so much cheaper than all the other hotels? So I decided... <laughs> I decided to read the, uh, the, 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 what are you, the reviews or whatever. Yeah, the TripAdvisor. Yeah, yeah TripAdvisor reviews. <laughs> and every review was like, don't stay here. <laughs> this is the worst hotel I have ever been. And I called the front desk, but they said there's nothing they could do because it's coming from one of the complexes next door. This guy's up all night watching hockey. <laughs> Who watches hockey in London? <laughs> it was, yeah, I was going through my divorce at the time. And you talk about the drug, like there was a lot of drugs going on, and and he, like hockey doesn't even like it, it starts at midnight here, and the West Coast game starts at three a.m. So like from midnight <laughs> to six a.m. <laughs> yeah, I and I disprove karma. <laughs> <laughs> It's so crazy. <laughs> you get a cheap room because of you. Yeah. <laughs> You've ruined yeah. that business. Yeah. yeah. I kept it there when I was in there, though. I sort of spoke with like a, like an accent. Like, oh, you just give me room. I didn't, I didn't want somebody. The voice is back! <laughs> He's left. They're, they're, yeah. they're now we're under new neighborhoods. <laughs> so we had a, we have got a weird... Um, 
we'll tell our weird story because because in the early two thousands, uh, I was asked to write a film based on uh, one of Glenn's routines, <laughs> and uh, I was going through. We were talking about backstage. I was going through quite a bit of a dark time where I I just split up with someone and I'd moved to a house where I was meant to be living with them and I was on my own and I was writing a book about penises. Uh, I was going a little bit mad anyway. <laughs> and then you'd, you'd got a routine about um, fight, having like an unusual spot appear on your penis. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. <laughs> and, and so w- you'd had to go to the... I went... <laughs> this is the thing. I showed them. Like I went to STD clinic, you know, bread and butter... I was like, what's this? They were like, I don't know. (laughs) I was like, how many dicks do you see a day? (laughs) You don't know? And I was like, I was all disappointed in them. And then they're like, "Uh, yeah, we got to take a little biopsy off that. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, they cut a piece of my wiener off and put a little stitch in it. (laughs) It looked like a little... It looked like a bow. <laughs> like, you know, like when piglets win prizes at the fair? <laughs> but yeah, and then they, uh, they, went, they said, uh, well, we don't know what it is, but you, you better call everybody you've been having sex with and tell them. <laughs> I was like, all right. And you know, this is back in my wilder days. I had quite a little black book going on there. And I, I was calling all these girls and I was telling them, like, I, don't, I, don't, I tried the little piglet story. No one was biting. But <laughs> and I, it goes to show you about the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the loose morals of these women. Almost... Every one of them who I called up went, okay, well, I'll get that checked out. Um, what are you doing later? <laughs> it's like, I just called you and said, we don't know what it is on the end of my penis. And all you can think about is, oh, he's a nice, honest man. <laughs> And you had a, a you weren't able to use it, but that was when. So the routine went. Yeah, yeah. To that, to that <laughs> level. Of. Well, yeah, I wasn't able to do anything because um, that's what they told me too. Like they put a, and I would have been what about twenty five at the time. Right. Yeah. yeah, they put a stitch in my penis, and they went, "Okay, don't get an erection for a week." <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess waking up's out of the question. <laughs> Like, I had to take the bus home. How was I even? <laughs> Look to the fellas for that one. Yeah. 25 years old on a bus. You kidding me? There's no way. No way. <laughs> and then it all, it all, uh, I, just, I, I ended up, I was so, like and, and and again, I'd been talking to all these girls. I, so I was really it's like horny at this point, and it had been about five days. And uh, I thought I, I need I, I need to masturbate. I can't. 
I can't help myself. <laughs> I've really I've still got this stitch, but I'm sure I can work around it. <laughs> I know it was it just about <laughs> it just about worked, but I po- I popped the stitch <laughs> and I sent like a <laughs> blood. And I freaked. I absolutely panicked and I called an ambulance. (laughs) That's what I love about the NHS. (laughs) Who's this wanker? (laughs) So, yeah, so we're going to write a film together about this. Because it's a very, we actually turned I think some, you'll find the film writes itself. So someone, but they, they, someone subsequently did basically the same thing about about having this mysterious thing, but also having to tell all your previous partners. There was a show called uh, Scrotal Recall. I was mentioning <laughs> about. So I wanted to call this uh, film. Uh, it was this was relevant at the time. Uh, I don't know who I did last summer, uh, and should have sold it on its own. My, uh, the show I wrote about it in Edinburgh was called uh, The Bizarre Cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> but I was writing this film and struggling to write this film and struggling to get through my personal life. And I was in the bath as I was, you know, trying to build up to writing this script. And I looked at my penis and there was a spot on the end of my penis. Right, and I was actually, it was, I was still in the relationship. It was just before I moved the house. Uh, and I was in a relationship at the time, so I, I thought this was, this was weird. And I thought, that's, this is exactly what happens in the film. That's odd, right? And maybe I'm ima- am I imagining it? Is it ever going a bit crazy because I'm writing a book about cocks and writing a film about cocks? Uh, so I went into the <laughs> clinic and the bloke went, yeah, I don't know what that's something, but I don't know what it is. So exactly what happened to you. He said, we're going to have to take a biopsy from your penis. So as I was writing this film about this happening, <laughs> I then had the exact same... I mean, it's, it's taking research to a new level. So I had to have the same thing that happened to you. I got the same thing. They cut a bit off. There wasn't much to lose. Uh, and <laughs> put a stitch, put a black stitch in it, exactly the same as that, and, uh, and sent, the, sent the little piece off to be analysed. Uh, and so it's just, I felt like I was going crazy. And also I was thinking, I can't even use this as a comedy routine because Glenwood has done this. <laughs> it's just going to be like going to say, you just copied it, you, he told you it to write in the... F- so yeah, I really felt like I was pull going... Pull your dick out every time it's... somebody accuses you of plagiarism. <laughs> Look at the scar! No one would do that to themselves. It happened twice, all right? It was just such a bizarre thing to happen. And then for me, I didn't pop the stitches because I'm made of strong stuff. Uh, um, you just don't but, take as long. But they told me, they told me that the, uh, the stitches would fall out by themselves. And then they didn't. And they said it'd be two weeks, and I went about three or four weeks and went back in, and basically my penis had fused around. The <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty bad. <laughs> Turned out not to be a sexually transmitted thing at all. It's fine. Yeah. Well, mine wasn't either. Mine was called uh, lichen, lichen planus. It's just a skin condition. Lichen, isn't that, isn't that werewolves? Like, like, yeah, probably. Your penis is a werewolf's penis. Yeah, that happens too. I didn't want yeah. to tell people about that. <laughs> uh, the, the moon comes out, my penis turns into a wolf's penis. The rest of me is the same. <laughs> it's quite hairy, a little bit stubby. Yeah, well, 
Probably like a doesn't lipstick, really, I imagine. Doesn't really affect my life. My just my dick gets hairy and then it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really write a movie about it. <laughs> but yeah, so then I got sad and didn't write the film. So I'd like to apologize to you for I could have made that could have been the moment that everyone realized how amazing you were. Could the big film oh, yeah. could have I been forgot a about that. Yeah. This could have fault. been my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's a sign of failure. Um <laughs> <laughs> No one let me on the telly, so I just have to do this myself. Um, is it true? You do a routine as well about going to Hollywood. Did, they, did, did you go to Hollywood? Were you sort I did. Of fated? I did. Uh, and it worked out. That, yeah, it was right after my divorce, right? When I was living, making all that noise in that apartment complex. Uh, I got, uh, yeah, I got signed to a big uh, agency in management and had the whole, the whole thing ahead of me. But, um, my God, I... Do not like America, <laughs> and I can. I thank you. <laughs> yeah, I uh, like I and and I, I act like in the show things didn't go very well. They did. They go. They went really well. But um, I I made a pilot for the History Channel uh, about um, how people got rich and uh, go and interview rich people, and uh, I, I liked it. It was it was interesting to me and. Um, the the people who made the show were like, oh, Glenn, we've never seen the, the 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 channel head be so happy with anything. My lord, move to Los Angeles, boy! <laughs> Your millions are coming. And um, yeah, a couple of weeks went by, <laughs> it got real quiet, and then they were like, yeah, I don't know, he really changed his mind. Uh, and I was just, yeah, I was really sick of. Uh, America by then, so I just moved back to Canada, and that's why I thought I was going to uh, live and die. Uh, <laughs> but I was coming over sporadically to um, do that uh, podcast with Frankie, um, and um, a little lady was listening. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I fell in love with her, and uh, we had a kid, and I moved back here. It's sort of interesting, and I've read a review by Kate Kotslick who said the same thing about me when I did shows about falling in love and having kids, that, that certain people in, like reviewers and I think some audience think, oh, if, you, if a comedian settles down and is happy and has children, that they kind of lose their edge, which I don't think has happened to you. No, but. no, man, no. Well, uh, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, uh, I tried to, but it just, it's just the way I'm wired up. It wouldn't matter uh, where, what was happening in my life. It's just uh, like I've just got a dark sense of humor. So Yeah. You know, I've, <laughs> That's all I, I have said this before, but like people, when I, when I was going to have a kid, I used to do, you know, as 10 years ago, lots of us did, lot of jokes about pedophiles and pedophilia, and like loads of parents go, no, when you, have, when you have kids of your own, you won't do those jokes anymore. You won't find those funny anymore. And I thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> Then I had a kid, and I found out they're right because now I've got a kid. I've realised paedophilia is really bad, isn't it? I, did, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't realise before when it's when it's happened to other people's kids. Who cares? You know? <laughs> no, it's awful. But um, you know, but it's like, you know, it doesn't change. It's clearly changed you in like personal ways. I think you know, you you. You look a lot healthier, I think, yeah. and you uh, and you seem a lot happier, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and and I love your. I mean, I I'm, I see your posts on Facebook, and you, you know, as any father is, you're 
you're loving and uh, coming to fathered a bit later as we both have it's you know it's an amazing experience are, are you glad because i've talked this about people who have kids early and versus people who have kids late um are you glad you've left it relatively late you haven't left oh it late yeah as me, but... yeah oh, i would have been a horrible father <laughs> like in my 20s and 30s i just would have been like what do you what, what do you want for dinner <laughs> cake yeah <laughs> let's have cake <laughs> you should drive i've had a few <laughs> cocktails <laughs> until we find out what's wrong with my dick <laughs> Yeah, no, I did it, uh, and, uh, and and who knows if this would have been the uh, the way if uh, if it, if father had happened uh, uh, sooner in my life. But uh, and I'm new to it; uh, my kid's ten months old. But uh, what I find is almost uh, immediately, uh, I don't feel like there's anywhere else I'm supposed to be. I don't have fear of missing out. I'm like I I. I I prefer to be at home with my family, and that you know, if I never set foot in a bar again, I don't give a shit. It's just, and that was just one of those things that just sort of changed, sure, like that. And do you find it hard because you you are touring all over the world when you tour, aren't you? So do you find that hard to have you have you done a tour while you've in the last ten months? Uh, well, I stayed I stayed uh, pretty local uh, yeah. during the pregnancy and and up till now. I've been starting to go off and do uh, other things, but she's uh, she's a airline stewardess and she's. She's going back on the road, <laughs> so uh, it's going to be me and the little guy for sometimes when she she's going to go off and and tour the world, and I I don't care about that. Yeah, like I I, I love it. I, I, you know, just stay home and tickle a baby all day. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you have two. Uh, so um, <laughs> it's uh, it's my son's first birthday today. Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck him. I wouldn't have done this if it had been my daughter's one. I loved her. She's great. It's a dick. It's a fucking dick. I hope he listens to this. <laughs> fucking monster. It's amazing how the difference, because you do, you're sort of so worried and fra- they're so fragile and you're so worried about everything with the first one. And the second, we take Phoebe to hospital every, every time she fell over and bumped her head. Oh, take an hospital. The other day, um, he'd got, he had one of those little seats on a, you attached to a chair. You know, right, right. So it's not like a, it's like a baby seat, but it's like you it's strapped onto like a normal chair. Oh, right, yeah, uh, yeah. At the kitchen table. And he's been rocking back and forth on it a bit. And I've gone, well, it's fine, but just make sure we keep an eye on him and it'll be fine. Uh, and I was upstairs the other day and I heard clunk, ah! My wife screaming. Uh, and he'd not, he'd fallen off. The chair had fallen over. And, you know, he looked, we shot a light in his eyes. He was all right. So he. It was the day before. It was yesterday, actually. Yeah. I, go, I nearly made one. But it's longer well, than I thought. See, for me, it's like um, he's starting. He can stand up now, but he can't walk. Like, it just, like, he, like he hears the anthem or something. <laughs> like, just <laughs> rises. And I know, like, I know that once he pieces it all together, it's going to be hell but like just right now it's it's really fun but i said i said it's sort of like um him being able to stand up and look around it's like seeing the raptors learn how to turn the door <laughs> handles 
It is. It's a nightmare. It's a living nightmare. Yeah. It's just about. It's just about worth it. No, nah, I, I like it. <laughs> and, and you know, here here's the thing too. Um, there's uh, there's this um, market in Chelmsford, and there's this just this lady. She sells uh, old um, uh, uh, theater costumes, and I was walking past it, and there was a, a toddler's Henry the Eighth costume for a fiver and I, I don't I'm not the kind of guy who can walk past that okay <laughs> so I get five bucks out and now we got the kid home we got him dressed like Henry VIII took his diaper off cause it looked weird with a diaper and we were laughing so hard. It's got like a little hat and everything. It's got and and Alex was like um, taking a picture of him with with her phone, and we were laughing so hard that we didn't realize until afterwards where she was like going back through. She's got one of those iPhones that um, if you take the picture, it does the movement on either side. He actually took three steps. He took his first steps. <laughs> Dressed like Henry the Eighth, dick out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I hope this is what you've been waiting for. <laughs> All right, we'll ask you a couple of emergency questions. It's been thanks so much for doing this. I know you've come uh, for another gig. For and this, no, it's been it's always. It's kind of weird. I, I, what I love about comedians, I was talking about this to Ed Byrne, is, is just like you don't see each other for four or five years and then you just pick up from where you, where you were. Yeah. It's kind of really odd. I don't think there's anything quite like it, really, with it. It's just, it, you know, time, well, time passes by so fast, doesn't it? Ridiculous. Uh. Fucking hell. I'll <laughs> ask you this one. I don't know which one it is, but I want to know your answer to this question. Um, if you had to be in a human centipede with two other people... Well, I didn't have to be. <laughs> you have to be. <laughs> You're in the middle, but you get to choose who goes at either end. Who would you have in front of you and who would you have behind you? Uh, like, alive or dead? Well, like, you're alive uh, to begin with. Okay, I, yeah, I think you'll die yeah, fairly yeah. quickly. <laughs> but your last house will be sent eating the no, shit like, of the person. Do I have to pick two oh, people they can be, from... They can, be, they can be dead, yeah. yeah. But you want two famous people. I can't just... It can be anyone you want. No, you can answer however you want. Well, the lady who told me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> behind? She, yeah, she's behind. <laughs> <laughs> and now I got it. Whose who's shit do you want to be you know, consuming? Gordon Downey. I miss him. Oh. He's the lead singer of the Tragically Hip. And he, uh, he died um, two years ago. And I can so think of probably, no, I want him from two years ago. <laughs> I can think of no, no finer tribute to a man. God, it'd be confusing for him. Like, oh, you've reanimated me. Can I sing my beautiful songs again? <laughs> but first, <laughs> you're going. But first, somebody and I forget. I forget somebody. Uh, <laughs> Somebody on Twitter, and I forget who, I'm, I apologise, has found the solution to this problem in that you can choose to have someone in front of you who has a colostomy bag. 
Yeah, better. What? Go, oh, like, oh. I'd rather be eating their shit, thank you, than it going in a okay. bag that I can see. Well, I'll take Gord down here right now, then. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what we get. Let's see if we get a random, random question that'll lead. I'll ask you this one, because uh, this is, might appeal to your poetic soul. What is the strangest thing you've ever found in the embers of a bonfire? A sword that had obviously been used in a crime. Wow! Uh, no, look, uh, this is Canada. That happens about three times a day. <laughs> a sword? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see, there's a lot of woods in Canada. And uh, the weirder you are, the deeper you go. And uh, if you're in strange moods, you just start... And that's kind of the rule. Like, no, <laughs> they don't tell you... There's, there's no threat about going deep into the woods. It's just like, well, who do you think's in there? You know? <laughs> so as a kid, you know, just on, the, just on the edge of the woods, that's where all the pornography was. Uh, <laughs> and then deeper in, the weirder porn... And uh, deep, deeper than that, the uh, the swords from crimes <laughs> burnt up. Did you see that little uh, Swedish girl, who Danish girl, who'd found a fifteen hundred old year old sword in a lake? She was swimming in. I heard about it. It's like that's pretty. That's an appealing idea, isn't it? A girl lifting a sword out of a lake becomes yeah. the queen of the of Sweden. <laughs> it's not that good. It's a lot of pressure on the girl, yeah. though. <laughs> People are expecting such great things of her, and she's just like, "No, I just saw a shiny thing. Don't, don't, don't follow me." All right, I think this is going to be the question that ends this podcast, and I think we're going to get an amazing answer. You ready for it? I don't think I've asked anyone this one. It's seven one seven. Have you ever employed a smith of any kind? <laughs> Uh, my ex-girlfriend's last name was Smith, but uh, <laughs> I didn't pay her. <laughs> she employed her, though. You did employ her. <laughs> well, look, it's been... We're going to go and have a drink. Uh, it's been... Oh, no, actually, first of all, I'll be down in the foyer if you want to say hello, uh, and I can sign you a copy of my book. Please buy them so I don't have to take them. In a way, taking them home might kill me, so if you don't buy the books... Uh, <laughs> I could die. Uh, so uh, it's fantastic to see you again, Glenn. Yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, too, big man. round of applause. Glenn Wolf. Thank you. Go and see him on tour in, my, in 2019. Glenn Wolf, Skull 2. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>